It is the Martha Zoller Show, and I am so happy to have in the studio with me Kelvin King. How are you, Kelvin? <laughs> hey, good morning, Martha. I'm great. It's great to be here, too. Haven't been here in a long time. I think I, know I was on the campaign trail the last time we were here. <laughs> That's right, and I tell you what, um, Kelvin was a, a very important candidate that I supported for the United States Senate. Uh, I am a Republican, though, so I'm going to be supporting the nominee for the United States Senate, and we're going to talk to Herschel Walker later on in the program. Uh, but I will tell you, Kelvin, when I hear this, you know, this is Corrine Jean-Pierre, who, um, you know, did tweet out that the that Brian Kemp sold a, stole an election, that Trump was illegitimate. The former president, Jimmy Carter, made that same statement. And the thing is that um, it's not OK when you say it on either side. OK. And I think that the problem that we've got with a lot of these kind of statements are she tried to say it was about voter suppression, but there has been no voter suppression in Georgia. In fact, we have busted records since 2014. Yeah, definitely. I think she's just trying to uh, speak towards her base and cast a negative light to the Republican Party. I mean, we all know that um, Stacey Abrams never uh, conceded the election. We all know that when Donald Trump won in uh, 2016, the Democrats continued to fight for four years, making up lies about uh, President Trump because they didn't want to believe the election. And now it's extreme for us to challenge or have questions about the Joe Biden election when he stayed in the basement the whole election cycle. And I think that we see through this. The Republican Party see through it. And we need to make sure that we don't allow these negative attacks to cast a label on us as extremists. That's all they're trying to do. It's, it's, it's the same old game plan that the Democrats do. It's this label us, divide us, and try to conquer us that way. So last week, uh, the president made a speech. President Biden made a speech in front of Independence Hall. And look, I think Independence Hall is a great place to make a speech. But you would think if you were going to make a speech in front of Independence Hall, you would do it in the daytime <laughs> so that you could actually see Independence Hall behind you. I mean, when he walked out, you could see it. But then, you know, the sun went down and these weird lights came up. And, I, you know, he could have been anywhere. I mean, it, it didn't it didn't have to be Independence Hall. I just think it was so poorly managed. And the message was so divisive mm -hmm. that it's really not the kind of message that a president should be engaging in and and you know we have problems on both sides with that well i mean the image looked uh, satanic to be honest with you it was really strange with the, the hues and the darkness and um, joe biden standing elevated making it look like as if he was some sort of um uh, evil leader. I thought I was in Gotham City or something like that for a moment. <laughs> but um, what 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 they're trying to do is, like I said earlier, is just label label uh, a, a certain group as extremists. Uh, I think they're labeling, you know, the the far right Republicans who are are staunch uh, Trump supporters. Label them as extremists. Uh, I don't think that is going to work because I think that all Republicans or at least all conservative thinking citizens, we currently feel like the country's direction is not the direction that we want to go into. So with the left continuing to call us names, um, trying to, to fragment us, I don't think it's going to work because we are, we all are hurting. And it's not just Republicans who are hurting. It's not just uh, moderates who are hurting. Uh, Democrats are hurting too. So uh, if you are causing all of this consternation, and then you're going to point the finger at the the the, the right. 
I don't think it's going to work because we're all feeling the pain of bad decisions from this administration. We're here with Kelvin King, and you can join us on the phones at 770-535-2911. You know, Kelvin, I think the other part of this, which is interesting, is it shows they really need to change the narrative. Because when we're talking about the economy, gas prices, food prices, supply chain issues, uh, schools, and the relationship between parents and their children and their schools and their tax dollars, then they're losing. So they have to change the narrative to something that's going to get people riled up because all the polls show that their voters are not that motivated to get out compared to our voters and they need to do something to make their voters want to get out. That's a good point. You know, I I wonder, you know, what is it that they're seeing, the Democrats? What is it that they're reading? What is it that they're polling that tells them that it's a winning message to stoke division uh, with, with by calling American citizens extremists and and calling them ultra MAGA and calling them all of these names, it's it's something that that that's telling uh, the Democrat strategies that that might work. And I'm wondering if what it what they're trying to do is kind of like on on the playground when you're young. There's always an instigator, and you know the instigator doesn't get in trouble. He's the one that you know causes the fight. So maybe maybe that's what the administration is trying to do. They're trying to call they're trying to call call us names, get us all riled up, excited, and make us do things that aren't, you know, characteristic or, or, or maybe do things that may be looked at as a little uh, less uniting. Um, but I think we just need to stay the course as, as Republicans, as conservatives, and, and show up uh, in November and make sure that we continue this red wave throughout the country. So you campaigned for about a year for the Senate, and... Uh, more than a year, actually. Yeah, and, 400 days. And it was, you probably made, I mean, last, I, I stopped counting at 300 appearances in different places. And you went to every single county. And you did that over a period of time. What kind of changes did you see in people from how they were looking at things when you started that campaign in April of 2021 until you finished your campaign? Because I'm sure you saw what was happening with folks as you were traveling around. Yeah, that's a good question, interesting question, because there, there, was, a, there was a slow uh, change in the, the tone and, and the temperament of the folks that we interacted with. You know, I, I was the first candidate to announce to run for our U.S. Senate seat. I announced in April of last year, and during that time, the uh, the the overwhelming energy was uh, distrust in the election process, uh, that the, the Democrats are cheating, and they, you know, they will, they're willing to do anything to undermine uh, our elections and, and basically putting our country's uh, most core uniting uh, principle, which is our election process, at risk. Over the course of that 408 days, uh, I think the interest changed more towards what was happening in real time and real life. As you you recall, uh, we were coming out of the the COVID shutdowns and the company was trying to get back going again. And we were faced with a lot of challenges from, from that respect. We spoke to a lot of small businesses who were very concerned about, like you said, supply chain disruptions, worker availability, that sort of thing. And towards the end of the election, I think it was more of a, of a frustration and anger with what the Democratic policies were doing to our country. I think that's when we were really feeling the pain of uh, in increased inflation, uh, in- increased gas and grocery costs. 
and you know a lot of the the weird social issues that the Democrats were pushing, um, particularly when it comes to uh, transgenderism and and you know kids and and, and our schools and and the educational process. I think over the course of my campaign process, we went from being frustrated with the election to frustrated with how the Democrats are running uh, running our country. Now, Senate Bill 202 was in play when we had our primary, and, you know, it didn't seem to suppress turnout. We had huge turnout for this primary compared to uh, the last, not only compared to the presidential election primary, it was close to that number, but it was much higher than the 2018 midterm primary. So, I, you know, this argument that somehow making people feel more secure about their vote is going to keep them from coming out to vote just doesn't stand up to the numbers. And I'm saying right now, Republicans, please, please go to the elections, go go to the polls on Election Day and vote. Don't stay home. That's how we got Warnock and that's how we got Ossoff, because so many people were frustrated and stayed home. We know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, especially through these uh, these primary elections, that there is no voter suppression in Georgia. It does not exist. In fact, my wife and I, we did a video that uh, that was circulated throughout all the county parties in the state of Georgia earlier this year that's called The Truth About Voting uh, Voting Rights. And I would suggest everyone go and, and pull that video because we lay out all the specifics and facts and details about SB202 and how it does not um keep anyone from going to vote and that it does strengthen our voting process. So, yeah, I just say, please, Republicans, please, conservatives and any anyone in the middle who is frustrated with this administration, please go to the voting uh, booths in November and vote red. Let's go to the phones now and talk to Doug in Gainesville. Hey, Doug, how you doing? Hey, good morning, boy. I really like this Calvin guy, man. He's saying all the right things for me. That's for sure. Um, and what Biden did the other night was just more of what they're trying to do. And I think um, it's so smart for us to not fight back or do anything extreme. And let's hope we don't have some characters do something because, of course, the media will jump on it. Here's what I want to say. The silent majority has always been the silent majority. And I still think we're there. And I do think the silent majority is is boiling underneath and and yes we are the bear we have a lot more power than the media would make us think or the democrats would make us think so it's really about character we all know what the right thing to do is in this country and there's uh so just go to the voting booth (laughs) the voting booths and um let's get rid of these folks because they're being nasty uh they're saying things about us that we know are not true that are just blatant lies and so the best way we can uh, fight is vote and hope for the best. Absolutely. And, and Kelvin, it is where you have conservatives, uh, Republicans, uh, like-minded independents, and Democrats. There are a lot of Democrats that are not happy about what's going on. And they, but they, a lot of them are, people like to call them the silent majority. I like to say they're the folks that are getting their kids up every day, going to school. They're going to Cub Scout meetings at night. They're not getting involved in political party meetings because they're busy. And we need to get their attention so that they know that, A, they should vote early. B, they should vote in person. And they should make sure that they don't let it pass, that they get out there and vote. Because when that group of people votes, we win. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I want to use a term. I, let's call it the, the sensible majority because <laughs> these are the people who are doing what you know, a typical American does. Like you said, we want to make sure we go to work to provide for our families. We want to make sure that we can educate our kids properly. We want to make sure that we're safe in our communities and our neighborhoods. And now, these initiatives are not Republican or Democrat. These are just American initiatives. And that is typically where the needle swings when it comes to the outcome of, of elections, obviously. Um, there's also, there's always, there's always outliers. But in this particular election, in, in November, the Republican Party, we have the momentum. We have the talking points. We just need to stay the course and stay focused. Do not get distracted when the Democrats throw out names and labels and attacks. We know that we need to focus on this economy. We need to focus on energy production. We need to focus on our educational system and making sure that our children are protected. We need to focus on the things that matter to most Americans. And we know what they are. And we win on every single topic. Now... Tell us a little bit about what your life has been like as you've gotten back to work. And because I think your son was helping to run your business, right? Which was great (laughs) because you were out on the campaign trail. But now you're getting back to that. But also you and Janelle, I know you can't tell us much about it. But there's something to come for you and Janelle, right? Yeah, we we, we are working on some some really cool uh, opportunities. And and I'll, I'll share, I'll tease a little bit. Uh, a little bit later, but yeah, since the May yes May primary, I've been back in in the company. Uh, I have a construction company here in Georgia. We do work in Georgia and a couple other states. And you know, leaving the company for about four hundred days, uh, it was actually my wife who stepped in for me. She conducted staff meetings and fed me information, and I was still able to 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 do you know certain things on the road. But no, I wasn't you know necessarily there every day. And I think my wife and my son Christian, he's a uh, uh, he's a former Air Force uh, uh, veteran as well. He's an Air Force veteran like like me as well. But they were in the company, and they kept the you know they they kept the lights on. So to, to use your analogy, and uh, kept, <laughs> kept the boat afloat. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's what you need, right? Right. Right. But um, but but since since coming back to the the, the company, I don't want to put all one hundred percent of my time in it. I, I I do need to put the the required amount of time in my company. But we're also doing some really cool. Uh, efforts to help the party and help uh, win in November. Uh, we we speak at certain engagements still. Uh, uh, these types of media hits are still important to us. My wife has just started a new podcast that, that just dropped yesterday called uh, Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Uh, she's on the Georgia Gang with you. Obviously, you, you all trade off. And we're focusing on uh, an effort right now that's going to really mobilize uh, some some overseen voting blocks and and I think that it'll make a big difference in November. We want to make sure that we that we can motivate folks to come to this uh, to the voting uh, booth and vote Republican in uh, in November. Now you said you didn't think you teased what you and Janelle are working <laughs> on enough. Now I know you can't announce it today, but tell us a little bit more about it. Right, like I said, we just want to make sure that we stay engaged and keep pushing good conservative principles, keep working to convert people over to the Republican Party. I think that we do have a great group of people, but in order to win conventionally and to continue to win, we've got to recruit. We've got to expand the tent, as uh, as they say. So it's important to hit the middle, making sure that moderates are on board and excited. But it's also important to send messaging or at least send messengers with the right message to flip or bring 
uh, maybe moderate Democrats over to our side because right now is the prime opportunity to win. We have so much momentum going on in our favor. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we pull folks who may not have seen in the past a Republican that looks like them or represents their interests or feels as if they can relate to the to the struggles or pains that they have. That's what we're working on. We're going to be pushing uh, um, an effort or messaging to make sure that all those folks who are discouraged with the Democratic Party or the Democratic uh, nominees and candidates, that they have options to look towards and move towards in the conservative party and the Republican Party. So I'm going to ask you a question about that. Mm-hmm. But first, we're going to go to the phones and talk to Jason in Banks County. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, good morning. Hey, uh, I have a question for you. You remember uh, when I was a kid, I, ha- I had uh, my, my dad always told me, vote Democrat because the rich guy is the, uh, uh, you know, or the Republicans. And and it seems now that the Demo- we we all so we all started voting Democrat, you know. I mean, I'm a white guy. You told the black guys too, you know, because we was trying to you know get this straightened back out. And now it seems like the Democrats are all the rich folks now, you know, and and, and the Republicans are the poor folks. Because uh, I mean, because you look at the campaign funds that's coming from Herschel, you know, and Warlock. I think Warlock's is coming from out of state, a lot of money, you know. It is. And, uh, do you well, feel I tell that you, way? One thing you're right about, Jason, if you can go to this website called OpenSecrets.org and you can look and the wealthiest zip codes in America are predominantly Democrat. Uh, it, there has been a shift. You know, you used to be that term country club Republicans and not that that doesn't still exist, but the the wealthiest people in this country are now Democrats and the more working class folks are uh, Republicans, And thanks for your call. And that leads me to my question, Kelvin, is that we have seen something in the last three election cycles where we're still seeing among African-American voters that pre- they predominantly vote Democrat. But we're seeing a little bit of a shift where African-American women are still very strongly Democrat, but African-American men are giving Republicans a chance. They are, and you're seeing it among Hispanic men too. And my theory is, it's not just whether they're black or white or brown. It's the fact that working class men have been told for about 40 years that what they do is not important, that if you don't go to college, you're not worth anything. And I value going to college, don't get me wrong, but we have been telling the the people that build things, make things, fix things, that what they do is not important. And one of the things you've seen is among African-American men, especially that, you know, 10, 12, 15, 18 percent are voting Republican. Yeah, and that's a trend that I <clears throat> that I hope to uh, I hope continues. And in fact, men overall, I believe, are getting the short end of the stick across our country, particularly from this Democratic messaging. These Democratic elites, they're they're pushing uh, messaging that is very pro uh, woman and very uh, anti man. And you know, I I, I believe in order. Um, I believe that uh, patriarchal societies are the strongest societies. I believe that men uh, need and should lead, and along with their with the, along with their women, uh, not discounting men. And I, and I think a lot of men are getting irritated and getting tired of hearing what these Republicans are saying. We we particularly in the let's, let's talk about the black community. We we call these folks these Democratic elites. 
We call them gatekeepers. Uh, Thomas Sowell calls them race hustlers. Uh, uh, Walter Williams calls them poverty pimps. Uh, these are people who have influence in these communities, and and they continue to push divisive rhetoric. They continue to push us versus them. They continue to push oppression needs and victimese. That's what I call it. I don't I don't I don't speak those types of languages. I don't think it's healthy for any society. And. These people have this influence, and they and, and they continue to push, push on and oppress their own, you know, the people that they, that they think they're trying they're trying to help. And now that these people are feeling oppressed, and they're starting to look at what other options may exist for them, and they're looking at conservatism, moderate Republicans, they're looking at capitalism, they're looking at opportunities, they're, they're looking at school choice, they're looking at all these things that are Republican talking points, and they're, and they're like, hmm, maybe I should give them a shot. And we just need to make sure we have good, solid candidates that could close the deal. Because we can grow during this period of, of time in our in, in our nation's history. And there is a shift in how the parties are doing. And this has happened before. Because, look, don't get me on my soapbox that the one thing Democrats and Republicans agree on is they don't want anybody else at the table. Okay? And, the, and if you look at our history over time, you've had parties that rise and fall. But since... The Democratic Party rose and the, you know, the Republican Party rose in the mid 1800s and then the Democratic Party kind of came up. And since then, it's been pretty stagnant and they make it so difficult for third parties to get on the ballot and that kind of thing. That's my soapbox on that one, Kelvin, is that I do think if things had been left to their own devices, that what would have happened is kind of a Republican and a Libertarian Party and that the Democratic Party would have gone to the wayside had things been left alone. I just kind of think that's where people are. And I know there's a lot of Democrats out there that get mad at me when I say that. But just look at the history of our country and the development of parties. Yeah, I, I follow what you're saying. I just want to add another layer on, on that because uh, when, it, when it comes to people and great societies, they, they normally grow, become powerful, and they erode from the inside, right? And that's I, I believe that's what we're trying to do is, is, is we're trying to stop that erosion from the inside. Uh, you know, unfortunately, people, countries like China, people like George Soros and other bad actors, they want to stoke that that fire and uh, that allows us to erode from the inside. But I, I think we need, we need to be smarter than this. We know that this is the greatest country on the planet. We know that freedom and liberty above all is what matters. We also know that government, the more government involvement, the less freedom, the less liberty you have. Um, I believe it was PragerU put out this little meme. It talked about how um, the 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 more freedom you have, the less totalitarianism you have, and, and, and the less freedom you have, the more totalitarianism you have, and you start getting into these socialistic uh, movements and mindsets, and then you lose control, and your freedom is your freedom is gone at that point. So, we truly are the. Uh, I don't want to call us trailblazers, but we're the guardians. They <laughs> say we are. We truly are the guardians of of liberty and freedom right now, and we can see it. It's it's it's, it's palpable. We we see it in front of us, eroding. So let's fight. That's why it's so important for us to go out in November and vote Republican, and, and that's why it's important for Republicans too to understand what's happening, and and we need good, strong, quality candidates in these seats. My biggest complaint about government today, whether it's the president, a congressman, I'm talking about federal government or a senator, they're not leading. Mm -hmm. They're just they're just following the shiny ball, alloc you know, spending money we don't have 
and not actually talking to the people in a leadership way. Yeah, le- le- leadership is essential. I mean, you don't you don't ne- you're not necessarily born uh, uh, with those skills, but those skills are are developed over time. I'm I'm very thankful, even though I was born into a very difficult situation, um, out of wedlock. My mom was only 15. My folks married. My father started doing drugs. Domestic violence was in the house when I was growing up, and he left. And single mom with two kids, it was tough. But fortunately, I was able to, you know, finish high school uh, with honors. I got an appointment to the U.S. Air Force Academy, and at that place, at that institution, uh, I learned a lot about the the, the formal um, uh, studies in leadership. After graduation, going into the Air Force, I got a chance to put it into application as an Air Force contracting officer, and. You know, leadership is is developed, and you know a, a lot of leadership has to do with discipline, sacrifice, uh, that sort of thing. But courage is the one thing, one word that I really like to use. Oftentimes, if you follow my campaign, is courage. I think courage is something that is not in vogue, and it's difficult uh, because it hurts oftentimes. But courage is what we need in our leaders and our and, and our candidates and our politicians to do the right thing you know um i think as ben shapiro says you know f- you know facts don't care about your feelings oftentimes uh we feel a certain way and we want to do certain things but let's base our decisions off of facts and stand by them with courage that's really how our country became the greatest country in the world that's what, that's what we base our principles on is on is integrity and courage and facts and truth and leadership just is a culmination of all those things and we need more of that so as you look forward to the 2022 midterm election what are you looking at particularly and how are you going to use your time to support candidates without giving away too much right well i'm going to push our party principles i'm going to show up at every event that we can show up to that my wife and i uh, are, are asked to attend uh we're going to you know call folks get on, get on the phone we're going to make sure our social media remains uh, very hot and we're going to keep it updated to make sure that we have good messaging going out to as many people as possible because we need to convert folks to our to our party principles and we need to encourage people to get out um like i said off the couch out of the house and go vote uh, on on election day do you think you know there's been some polling um initially that the roe v wade overturning was not impacting voters that much but there's some new polling that shows that democratic women are a little more um uh energized to vote uh but i think my gut tells me that democratic women that were pro-choice were going to vote anyway and pro-life people need to make sure they get out and vote yeah, I think that um, the messaging the messaging around that is is really what matters. I, I believe that the the, the pro life movement does have some legs if we approach it with the right type of messaging. Look at it as a humane a humane way of protecting our children. Uh, when the Democratic Party talks about you know abortions up to um, up to birth. No, that's not anything that's going to win the middle. That's not even reasonable. I think most reasonable people look at that as, as as murder. So as long as we can stay on the right side of humanity, as long as we can stay on the, the, the right side of capitalism, and we, if we can stay on the, the, you know, the right side of 
good, solid American freedom loving, liberty loving principles, we should do we should do just fine on most of the topics that come up from the Democratic Party who are pushing these socialistic agendas. You know, Larry Burkett, uh, who passed away a few years ago, started a company called uh, Christian Financial Concepts. It went on to be Crown Ministries, and um, you hear Dave Ramsey talk about him, that kind of thing. He was a he was a NASA aerospace engineer, and when he retired, he was really good with money, and he started talking about this. And he was from Gainesville, and so we used to have him on the program. And he used to say about capitalism is that, you know, it's capitalism. The reason why capitalism goes so well with Christian values is because capitalism without a moral compass is just greed. You need that sort of moral compass at the bottom of capitalism so that it's not just greed. Yeah, capitalism is really the foundation, I think, of any sort of... um uh, modern society. Uh, you know, it gives us our right of property, which is one of the basic elements, and it puts structure around all of those transactional things that that invisibly create value. And it's brought more poor people out of poverty or people out of poverty than any other system uh, since the existence of our planet. So let's give capitalism a shot, and let's make sure that we overlay that with good sound of uh, Judeo-Christian principles. Absolutely. Now, if people want to know more about you or get in touch with you, how can they do that? Oh, you can always follow us on our own social media. Um, They're Kel- very active on social media. <laughs> KelvinKing.com is our, is, is, is our website. Uh, you can follow us on, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And um, just reach reach out to us. Send us messages. We reply. Uh, we respond to questions. And uh, we just have a good time with our social media because we're so motivated to fight for our country and make sure that good conservative values remain supreme in our country, in our state. Kelvin King, thanks for being with us today. Oh, thanks for the opportunity, Martha. And I look forward to coming to the Martha Zala show in the future. And thank you for the opportunity to address your your listeners. Absolutely. One of my favorite people, Kelvin King, and of course, Janelle. I knew Janelle (laughs) before I knew Kelvin.